BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Daphne. And I'm Gina. And this is This Week in Skating. Today we are joined by Urena Ribbons. Urena is the Executive Director of the Ice Theater of New York. For the past 39 years, Ice Theater of New York has created an advanced ice dance as a performing arts form with its professional ice dance company. On Friday and Saturday, May 5th and 6th, the Ice Theater of New York will have its 2023 home season performances. And on Monday, May 8th, the Ice Theater of New York will have its benefit gala and performance where two-time Olympian Jason Brown and choreographer Roheen Ward will be honored. So we want to welcome Urena to This Week in Skating. Urena, Welcome! Hi, welcome. Thanks for having me. So We're so happy to have you yeah. with us. So to start, can you describe Ice Theater of New York to people who are not familiar with the company? Yeah, so we're an ice dance company, and we are different from the usual ice shows or from competitive skating in the sense that we are a repertory company. So when you join ice theater, you uh, learn repertory, you learn to work as an ensemble, and you might have to skate choreography that was originally created for somebody else, just like in the ballet, where, you know, Balanchine created it on a certain muse, and now so many years later a new ballerina has to incorporate that you know piece of uh, performance so it's the same with ice theater you know you come and obviously every year we also create new pieces to be performed and then we uh, repeat repertory which we call restaging and like this year um, we're honoring one of our alumni and she was um, known for skating this one piece so in her honor we are recreating that it's called Revolte des Enfants and it was uh, originally created by uh, Alberto Del Sass and he worked with Philippe Candeloro he was a junior um, champion in Spain and you know so we're bringing him back into the family because he created it a long time ago and now the new is learning it. So that is how um, ice theater works. We were inspired um, with the John Curry original 
company, right? The John Curry company was the first ice dance company. And um, that inspired a couple of different companies around uh, the world, um, the Canada Ice Dance Theater, the Next Ice Age, and Ice Theater of New York. We were the first to incorporate as a dance company and as a nonprofit. So that's also where we're different. We're not a commercial ice show. We are a nonprofit, just like a dance company, very egalitarian. Um, yes, we do have some soloists, but uh, really when you know we pay people, it's very democratic. It's, it's an ensemble and we treat everybody very equal. So um, for the performances through the years, we brought in um, guest performers, um, starting with John Curry when he was still alive and skating in the old Sky Rink, because now we perform in the new Sky Rink, which is in Chelsea Pierce on 23rd Street and the West Side Highway. But originally we were in the old Sky Rink on the 16th floor on 33rd Street. So um, it was, you know, um, a, a different environment. And the first show actually featured both John and um, uh, David, I mean, uh, oh, Gary Beacon. Gary Beacom, who um, presented, you know, amongst other things, his famous 20 minute solo. <laughs> it was very interesting. Um, Gary is such a charismatic performer and so different and so interesting that people came to the show to see John, but they all walked out talking about Gary, you know, because he was just so interesting. And um through the years, we've had all these different uh, guest performers, and we also have an apprentice program. And I guess our most famous apprentice is Sarah Hughes. She started with us when she was six years old, I think doing um, first night in Baltimore or something where, you know, she was up in the middle of the night performing <laughs> you know, when she was so young. And um, so we, you know, we have that program. And now we, in this year, Una uh, Gage, uh, Una and Gage Brown will perform with us. And they started out also when they were very young as apprentices and now they're <laughs> world junior ice dance champions. And, you know, so people go through different phases with us. And um, we also have a junior uh, ensemble um, where we uh, take young ladies that are kind of phasing out of the competitive uh, part of skating and then they come and they become, you know, ice dance artists because it's a different mindset. It's not for everybody, right? I mean, you know, um, ice dance, especially, you know, having to learn repertory, not necessarily doing steps that you're comfortable with, working with other people, having to, you know, make sure that, that you work together as an ensemble. It's not about how, you know, great your split is. I mean, it has to match the split of the other person, right? So those kind of things uh, are very different mindset. And obviously, also all our performers train um, different types of dance. We did a very beautiful flamenco piece once uh, with Peter DeFalco, who was a um, ballroom dance flamenco choreographer. And um, our main character in that uh, um, piece, she went to flamenco classes for a year, you know, so that she could really embody it on the ice. I mean, you know, it wasn't enough just to to learn the choreography and, and do that, but also to really learn, you know, what is flamenco and then... It's always a challenge also to um, transfer um, because we work with outside choreographers that come from the dance world. And then the translation is always very interesting. How do you put that form on the ice or how do you put their 
um, type of movement? How do you translate it? And uh, so our, our skaters through the years, I've learned different movements from different uh, dance choreographers, from classical ballet with Edward Villela to modern dance with um, Joanna Mendelshaw or with Jolie Sperling currently, you know, so it's, it's a challenge. I mean, it's not what you do in competitive skating. So it's a, it's a big switch. You come, you become an artist. And so the other <laughs> challenge is that we're in New York city and New York city is a very expensive city to live in. So it's very hard to have um, people that can devote the time to be artists, right? Because, you know, you need to make a living and ice theater, pays everybody for everything. I mean, we pride ourselves on that because I get all these calls all the time. Can you come and do my benefit? And I'm like, no, my artists are paid. It's, uh, you know, they're, they're, that's their work. It's their living, but um, it's obviously not enough. So we're, we cannot, uh, we're not like, you know, ABT, you know, or New York City Ballet that, that can offer a full season and, and benefits and, you know, all that income. So it's a passion. Every person that works with us is very passionate about dancing on ice and about their performing still. So um, it's, it's like I said, it's not given for everybody. It's a different type of skating. It sounds really fascinating because it seems to move beyond just the performance. I mean, you, you're almost learning a role like you're an actor or an actress and being immersed in what you're doing like you just spoke about uh, flamenco classes for a year. That does take a lot of passion to be able to, to really meld into it. It's getting into a character beyond just the steps on the ice. It's really embracing that role. Right. And that, it really does take passion to do that. Yeah. And we also have uh, performers that um, do aerial so they train um, off ice a lot because before you can do aerial with ice skates, you need to be able to do it without. So yes. um, ice theater is fortunate that we have a studio in Dumbo where we have a, the opportunity to put down synthetic ice. It's really a photo studio, but we put down the ice and it has rigging. And so they train there. And um, that studio also gets used by... Um, the Radio City Music Hall people for auditioning oh. their uh, performers because they were originally doing it on the ice. And I talked to them and I said, but they're not skating on the ice with you. They're doing, you know, it on synthetics. Don't you think you should audition them on that piece of, mm -hmm. you know, on that um, ice because it's so different. You know, like skating on synthetic versus skating on real ice. I mean, it's a skill. And some of our performers are very good at it. And some are not. So I, I suggested to the people from, you know, uh, the Christmas Spectacular. I mean, if you want to really know what the pair is going to do for you, you need to audition them on the synthetic. So they've been doing that for the last five or six years. And, you know, so that's very interesting to see those pairs come through and then who they pick. It's also very interesting. Yeah, I've been watching as you announce different performers, I think, on your Instagram page. Uh, that's yeah. <laughs> been a lot of fun because I'm not familiar with all of the names, but when someone pops up and I'm like, oh, really, <laughs> they're doing, they're going to do that. It's cool to see people that I've uh, watched for years competing, moving to something different because as you mentioned, it is not for everyone. It is something that you have to be willing to put aside your personal 
stake and look at the ensemble as a whole. And that it really is a mindset that I think, you know, is not, it's not for everyone. It's for a special group of people that are willing to put everything on the line for the art form, not for personal performances. Right. Yeah, we, we've been very blessed through the years with different people, Erin Reed, you know, the curves, I mean, different, um, competitors have skated with us because they wanted to transition into that you know becoming an artist but you know there's there's not that many opportunities out there for skaters to perform right so um you know it's like if you're passionate about performing i mean usually you start out with going to a show you know right you know like the ships or you know holiday on ice learn the craft but then for some, that's just not enough. They really want to be much more expressive, want to work in in a, in, in more of an art than, than a commercial environment. And this year, um, you know, we have some, some exciting stuff. I mean, you know, our home season is going to feature Roheen Ward, who skated with us many times before, but um, he's getting the choreography award on Monday night. But he's also coming because he's a fantastic performer and he's going to um, do a new piece, Bitter, This Bitter Earth by um, Dinah Washington. It is very intense, moving. So that'll be wonderful to see. And like I said, we have Una and Gage Brown coming to guest. And then um, on Monday night only, uh, because he's touring with Stars on Ice, we'll have <laughs> Jason Brown joining us. Otherwise, he would have joined us for all three. Because originally when we um, we um, invited Jason to be honored uh, last year, he said he was retiring. So we had envisioned that he would be skating the entire home season with us. And that, you know, we would just honor him because he was already moving on to the next phase. And then he surprised us all <laughs> with a fantastic season. You know, we're so <laughs> grateful that he continued, right? I mean, what what beautiful performances. It was just amazing. Even the team event. I mean, it's just every time I see the pieces. And uh, so he's coming to skate with us live, which is wonderful. Because through the years, we've honored lots of people and not all of them have performed with us. Like when Kurt came, he performed when we honored Kurt Browning. But when we honored Chrissy Yamaguchi or Torvalanin, their skating careers were just too far behind them. So they didn't actually perform with us. So um, because ice theater, I mean, like you said in the introduction, we've been around <laughs> for a while. And uh, we've had the privilege of honoring people, starting with the Proto Popovs way back when we were still doing the gala in uh, Dick Button's apartment. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then the fabulous Belita. I don't know if your audience is familiar with Belita, but she was a performer in the um, I guess 40s and 50s, but she was in, or maybe even earlier, because she was uh, at the same time as uh, Sonia Henney. But when oh, you look yeah. at the movies um, that Belita did, Suspense is her first most famous movie. She has solos in there that are just mind-blowing. I mean, she was so ahead of her time. She's much, much more artistic than Sonia. Sonia was just bubbly and, you know, I mean, entertaining. But Belita was just gorgeous uh so if anybody if you have a chance suspense i'm sure it's online it is just spectacular also ice theater we have a ton of ton of videos on our facebook on our you know youtube whatever but on facebook especially we have suspense for sure if you go to videos and look for old you know clips 
you can find it there. And uh, and then, you know, we've honored, uh, you know, Scott Hamilton, Rudy Galindo, uh, Brian Orser, uh, I don't know, Sarah Hughes, right before she went. We actually did a send-off for her before the Olympics. And then, oops, that was a very, <laughs> very fun moment. So, uh, yeah, and Dorothy Hamill and Mr. Debonair, Richard <laughs> Dwyer, you know, and um, he was one of our most famous or most popular honorees. He's the nicest man in skating. And Jason Brown is right on his, his heels he's <laughs> next to him. And then uh, we've honored the Hughes family because as a family, they've been very supportive of ice theater and they're just wonderful. Um Oh, we've had so many Jojo and Ken, uh, sorry, Jojo Starbuck and Ken Shelley. And when we honored them, we reprised one of the pieces that they had made famous. So um, so it's, you know, like we try to honor the person. We've had Johnny Weir. Johnny Weir also skated at the Dorothy event. I mean, you know, we've done a home season with him. We've had Yevgeny Plushenko skate the home season with us, which right now we don't really want to talk about too much, but... <laughs> Anyway, it that's a, a, a tragic um event, I think, for skating, you know, this war and and you know, we were just one skating family and now we're kind of, you know, broken up. It's 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 heartbreaking because we did have, I mean, I have lots and lots and lots of, you know, friends, both in Russia and Ukraine. I mean, you know, I worked for Dick Button uh, in his company for many years, and we did the World Professional Figure Skating Championships, you know, the famous Landover, you know. We yeah, <laughs> I went in 98, did I go? Yeah, I went. It's really sad that there aren't those yeah. professional opportunities anymore. And so yeah. skaters reach the end of their competitive career and they're just kind of like, what's yeah. next? And there isn't, yeah, there's just not that opportunity to be able mm -hmm. to skate. Yeah, I think it's a big, big loss because I, I love the fact that we could concentrate on, you know, the athleticism and on the technical for the competitions. And then they could transfer themselves into transform themselves into an artist when they came to world professionals, because mm -hmm. there, yes, we still value the technical because I remember Brian Boitano doing, you know, triple axles and, you know, he, he kept his stuff up right but he also became an artist i mean those programs were iconic and and it was really lovely to see that transformation i mean even the great scott hamilton i mean when he won in 84 but then when you see his performances in landover i mean it was like a world of difference he became a true entertainer and that has been taken away and and i think it used to also feed, um, you know, the system because people would see these wonderful artistic performances and then they would want to go skate. And now that's kind of gone. I mean, you know, because it's all about, it's more like gymnastics now skating. You know, we have these winners, but people don't remember their names. They're not, they're not like a Katarina Vitt, which, or a Dorothy Hamill that people remember for years. It, it's gone. It's, you know, like, I mean, I'm in skating and I have to admit that some of the winners, when people ask me, well, who won in that year? And I'm like, uh, I don't remember, mm -hmm. you know, because the it's they're not they're not really artists anymore. I mean, they're just uh, even though, you know, it 
I, I do want the emphasis to be on technical for the competition. I, I agree with that. I mean, it is a competition. It's a sport, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't mind that focus. But then there has to be the next step. And that next step was taken away. I mean, you know, the ISU didn't like it that there was a second circuit. And I think it's a mistake. I think they lost um, a whole feeding system. I think so many people came to skating because they went to see you know, somebody that, that they like to perform, you know, like a Scott Hamilton. I mean, they went to see those people. Remember when we had um, the Champions on Ice tour? I mean, people went to see the big name, but they walked away having seen all these wonderful performances and maybe they fell in love with Assyria Bonnelly and they said, I want to do that, right? But I mean, now there is no place for them to do that. I mean, you know, Stars on Ice is still around, but it's very limited and it's very few performers. And I mean, you know, I agree. World Pro was also very few performers, but it was a major, major television event. Right. So lots of people watched it and it, it you know, it showed skating to its best, I thought you know, artistic and technical. Yeah, it's definitely a different world. Yeah. And I agree, like some of the skaters I started watching, I was watching like Kurt Browning and Scott Hamilton. It was for the performance. I don't remember when I first started watching competitive skating. Um, but my first, you know, introduction to skating was through performances. And so, and I feel, yeah, we do miss it from competitive on these skaters are left wondering what do I do next and I'm glad we have Ice Theater of New York and the other companies that are kind of out there that are providing those opportunities right yeah just wish there there were more right it's uh it's very difficult um especially because if we, we you know we're a dance company so we straddle you know both the the sport and the art but comparative to another dance company, our costs are so high because renting ice versus a dance studio, I mean, it's an astronomical difference, right? I mean, you know, when people complain to me, it's like, oh, I can't get, you know, like, because I, I'm on these calls with um, cultural institutions ever since the pandemic. Um, we got together and uh, like over 150 cultural institutions in New York City, um, around this call that was founded by these wonderful uh, ladies that run like the Museum of Queens and things like that. Anyway, it's called Culture at Three. And um, so we talk about all the issues that are facing cultural organizations. And when the dance people com you know, complain they can't find $15 an hour studios, I tell them, well, my costs <laughs> are at like 300, right? And so it's it's a total difference. So it's very difficult for an, an arts organization to find the funding. And um, I don't know if people know how no nonprofit works, but small nonprofits usually um, by the end of their fiscal year, they're out of money, right? Because you budget and you use what you have because there's never enough. So you're at zero. So then you start all over fundraising for your budget all over again. And it's really difficult. And I'm the executive director, so I see it from that side, right? So my artist, uh, Moira North, who founded the company, she was a, a showgirl, you know, she skated uh, ice capades and holiday and um, traveled around the world with them and then came back to New York and said, well, there's got to be something better than just being, you know, a chorus girl. Mm -hmm. So um, she was inspired by John Curry and then founded Ice Theater. And um, 
you know, it's, it's just, they, I, I make, I try, I try to make sure that they can just concentrate on the artistic side. I mean, Moira, obviously as the founder, you know, she inspires a lot of people to support us, but, um, it's important for me that the artists um, don't have to worry about, you know, where's the what's the budget, what's going on. They just should concentrate on on being artists and on their skating skills and you know and working together and finding the time to rehearse, because you know, like I said, they do have a real you know um, job to have an income. Fortunately, most of them teach skating, so they can you know, work their um, schedules around that. But uh, yeah, because finding rehearsal time and finding rehearsal ice and paying for it is a challenge. I was going to say, you were, list- were listing all of those skaters that you have honored. How do you decide what skaters you want to honor, honor each year? Well, we we look at their contribution to the world of dancing on ice. Like, what did they do after their competitive career? How are they giving back? How are they inspiring the next generation? Um, And then how are they connected with us? Because, you know, I can't just go and say, okay, I'll go honor so-and-so. I mean, it has to be organic. We have to have a connection with them. They have to have an interest in supporting ice theater because when an honoree comes, you know, they also give back to ice theater because our gala is a fundraiser for the company, right? So I don't want to just go and ask somebody that's not connected to us. And then there's a challenge of the schedules, right? (laughs) I mean, it has to work out. I mean, we were fortunate with Jason that when he decided to continue skating and then he got invited to do Stars in Canada, that the one night that we're honoring him, he's actually off. He's like, he can get, he can get there. He can come and then go back to the tour. So those, that's always a challenge too. So there's a lot of factors, but, um, you know, there's obvious people that, that we, we honored because they were just connected and giving back to skating so much. I mean, Christy Yamaguchi, I mean, all those people we've mentioned or Browning, I mean, they've, they've contributed to, to dancing on ice, you know, on their own. I mean, so it's an, you know, privilege to honor them. And can you tell me a little bit about the home season? Now, what's this home season going to be like in some of the programs that you have? Right. So the home season is um, uh, this Friday, uh, Friday, Saturday, um, May 5th and 6th, and then Monday, May 8th. And we have a couple of reprises and then we have a couple of new pieces. So um, we have a piece by the young uh, people called Magnets. So they're that's um, I think they did this for the first time in the spring. So they're reprising that we have this fabulous piece called Of Water and Ice, which is by Jody Sperling, and it's a um, piece about uh, climate change. So in addition to just doing performances, Ice Theater also has sometimes a social aspect to it uh, where we tackle um, a you know, a topic that's um, beyond the art. And this one is climate change. This is the second piece we've done with Jody Sperling. She is um, inspired by Loey Fuller, who was a dancer back, I think, in the 20s and 30s. And um, she works with these humongous wings. So we have this one performer who learned to navigate and skate with those wings which especially when we do outdoor performances is a challenge because if there's wind, you know, and there's this humongous <laughs> thing, I mean, it's so big, the fabric, 
just amazing. But it's really wonderful. And it's to the music of uh, DJ Spooky. So he wrote a book of Water and Ice. Um, his real name is Paul Miller, but he goes by DJ Spooky. So he, um, you know, created this, this music inspired by the melting of the glacier um, in on the poles. And, and then... Um, Jody, who did a residency going to, um, I think she went to the North Pole um, on an icebreaker. And so she got inspired and then she created this piece um, off ice and then we recreated it on ice. So it's a duet. It's really interesting. Um, Mauro Bruni, who some people may know, he's a great per, you know show performer. Uh, he uh, creates a new piece for us. It's called Aquata. It's to the music um, of uh, Philip Glass, and um, which is interesting because Ice Theater got to perform at 80, the 85th birthday for Philip Glass, like last season. We celebrated it at Rockefeller Center, but because of the pandemic, lots of great celebrations have been happening um, outdoors. So Ice Theater got to perform and Laurie Anderson was there um, to collaborate and she was DJing. And so it was really, really fascinating to, to work with those two great artists. We also got to do a big thing for Chanel, um, the hundred anniversary of Chanel's, um, you know, um, number five, the the perfume, <laughs> and uh, they would have never done this if it hadn't been for the pandemic outdoors, right? So they had a whole week of performances at Rockefeller Center that we created new repertory for, and it was really fascinating. Anyway, so um, Mauro is creating a new piece. And then we have a TJ, uh, Theron James, skating with us. And he is an African-American skater. And he's skating um, at solo, right place, wrong time. But what he just did with us was very fascinating. We worked with an artist called Lajene McMillian. And she uh, used to uh, skate. She was with figure skating in Harlem. She taught there actually under TJ, which is very interesting. And she chose TJ to put a work uh, together. And in honor of her uncle, who uh, skated in the 50s in the Rockefeller Center, and he was African-American and he wasn't allowed to skate in most places. And so they uh, created a show up in Harlem at the Apollo Theater. And uh, Lajene created this piece, The Unseen, all about, you know, the history of this uh, uncle and then had TJ perform. And she collaborated with the videographer and she um, did motion capture technology that was then projected Ooh, on the okay. So we did this in a, a studio, the Onyx studio on the Fifth Avenue, actually, it's oh. like in the Onassis building, which is really fascinating. Anyway, we put synthetic ice in there and people came to watch and it was live motion capture and manipulation of the video. So that was a you know new media piece. It was very, very interesting. But and the plan is to um, to keep on developing that because Lajene would really love it to go to um, the Apollo. So. Fingers crossed <laughs> that we can get it to the Apollo Theater. So um, I talked about La, Re La Revolte des Enfants. That's like that Alberto del Sass piece. So we're doing that. It's a trio. And um, the um, women are connected with fabric. So they 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 are a trio, but they they yeah, and the fabric you know it expands and they get together, and then it's it's really fascinating um, how that works out. So that was a piece that we're reprising. Um, 
there's a new piece by Lorna Brown. You know, Lorna Brown was a, an original member of the John Curry company. And so she's created a couple of pieces for us. And she's created a new piece for um, Liz Yoshiko Schmidt and Daniil Burtnikov. It's a duet. And it's in um, commemorating uh, Liz's mom, who just passed away not long ago. But um, it's a beautiful uh, duet to uh, a nocturne. It's uh, it's really, you know, moving. Uh, we have the hip hop piece by the Browns, you know, so that'll be fun. Nice change of pace. <laughs> and, and then we have uh, NeuroCircle, which is the piece that um, Sarah France has developed, and it's an aerial piece. So she will be doing, um, I think it's a, a, a hoop. Um, and so we'll, you know, it's all happening right in front of the audience, but uh, she'll be be doing this. This, yeah, it's very interesting, you know, turning around and anyway with a hoop. I mean, I can't even imagine how anybody does that. I mean, you need <laughs> such strength. Yeah, it, yeah. you have to have a strong core for that. I think absolutely. So yeah, so she developed that, and then we have Rohin doing this bitter earth. I talked about that as a new piece that he's just developing and he's been telling me he's been training hard because I think it's been two years since he performed. So, uh, you know, he had to get himself into shape and he's really looking forward to it. And um, and then uh, we have our finale piece, which is a big ensemble piece. It's called um, Ensemble for Peace. It was uh, we did it first last year. It was inspired with you know, hoping for peace with all the, the war that's going on in the world and all the, you know, unhappiness. So that's choreographed by um, Elisa Angeli. Elisa was an Italian ice dance champion, and um, she's been our ensemble director for many years now, I think about a decade. And um, she created this ensemble piece. And so that's like, I think there's eight people in it. And then on Monday night, we have Jason Brown, and he's going to skate his uh, short program from this season. That sounds like yeah. it's going to fit in perfectly <laughs> yes. with yeah. everything else, I yes. think. Yeah, yeah, Jason really surprised us because we saw him in October at Skate America. He came in and was doing some social media, and there was no indication <laughs> that he was going to continue and then all of a sudden, he was coming back. He, he never really left. Gina and I joke about how he never really left. He just kind of didn't retire and didn't plan to compete. <laughs> he was just kind of, you know, taking it as it comes. And then... <laughs> just being Jason. Yeah, he was skating shows and he said he was having a great time. And But I think coming back to Skate America kind of thought, hmm, well, maybe I still want to compete. And then yeah. he kind of, so he didn't really train the whole summer. I mm -hmm. mean, you know, he was like, you know, just having a good time doing lots of shows in Japan. And, you know, and he's had a very, very busy season because even before the world team, he was doing touring in Japan. And, you know, it's like, he just didn't, <laughs> I mean, it's like right one after the other he was just so busy yeah. so i think he thrives on that now <laughs> i think he likes the you know the busyness and the variety of the different performances that he's able to give um i get that impression from him we got a real gift him coming and continuing this season even though it was unexpected i think it was really special because there was such a calmness in 
his performances that I, I feel like we've seen before, but not to the level that we got to see this season. I think we we were very, very blessed to have him continue and and also to um, have him continue his work with Roheen Ward because mm-hmm. the, the created masterpieces. I mean, they're just, you know, I mean, there isn't the moment where where you're waiting for something to happen. It's just all seamless one into the other. And, and I regret that there is not more differentiation in the um, score for artistic impression, whatever it's called now, GPS or whatever. Um, Cause you know, like when you look at the scores that Jason gets and then, you know, uh, somebody behind him, there's like what, six points difference, seven points difference. There is a world of difference, <laughs> points difference, because you know, in in Jason's case, you don't even see the jumps happen. You mean they 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 just they're just there. Nothing is a setup. You know, like so many other skaters, you you just know. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, no, there's a jump, and I am not saying that the jump isn't great. The jump is great, but I mean, I've been telegraphed that it's coming. With Jason, there is absolutely no question. And there is so much happening. All his connecting, mm-hmm. there is content in his connecting. And and so few skaters have that. So few. I mean, you know, and like I love Malinin, his jumps, but but it doesn't have the same content. And and it's just, just not, I mean, you know, obviously he has lots of time to grow. So, you know, hopefully he'll get to work with people and, and you know, become more of an, an artist because he has such a gift, right? I mean, it's incredible. I mean, what he puts out there technically is like, <laughs> it's like, oh my, you know, it's like, I'm in awe, right? right? Well, we are all in awe. Yes. But um, but the whole package, I mean, the the performance that that you can't take your eyes off is adjacent. I mean, you know, it's just though you hold your breath until the end of the performance because it's just beautiful, one thing after the other. You mentioned a little bit about uh, being on Zoom calls during the pandemic. I wondered how, how the pandemic has been really difficult. I think it for all of us, in we've had to adapt to more isolation what was it like for ice theater because everything was closed down right so we stopped uh, all our programming i think it was march 12 2020 and um we had lots of things planned including a, a major you know ticketed performance in may and all that was shut down but there was a silver lining for ice theater because the outdoor rinks reopened in the fall because it was outdoors. And even though our performers had to wear masks and initially we couldn't do duets, nobody was allowed to touch each other. We could only do solos and we could only do short performances. We called them the pop-ups because we couldn't attract a crowd, right? Cause that was all not okay. But, we did get to do those pop-ups and that saved us because we kept on, you know, doing things with our performers because we had something happening. It wasn't indoors. We weren't allowed in any indoor rink. We couldn't do ticketed performances, forget doing a fundraiser or a gala. So we had to pivot and we did all our edge classes because ice theater has this ongoing edge class where all ice artists that are in the city that want to come may participate 
And it's also, you know, we start out slow, so it's open to any level. I mean, as long as you have all your edges and turns, you can come and do class with us. Well, we couldn't do those, right? Because we weren't allowed in the rink. So what we did was do them virtually and we did off ice. And it was very interesting. Sarah France did a lot of them, Elisa Angeli. And we had a huge following actually all over the world, you know, uh, tuning in to do edge class. They were, they were sad when we stopped doing it and went back to live because people who were far away couldn't participate anymore. Anymore. So we did that. And then the other thing we did um, was in the spring of um, 2021, we did a big streaming event and uh, to try and do some kind of a fundraiser, but also to connect all our people because the streaming event itself was free, but then we did a um, um, talk with the artists later, you know, after, and that was, you know, you paid to participate, but um, Jason Brown hosted that one. It was really great with Elage Balde and Caitlin Weaver. And it was really wonderful. And we had everybody do um, pieces like Caitlin created a new solo and uh, we filmed it because obviously it couldn't be performed live, but we filmed it. And then, you know, we put it online and Elage did uh, one of his performances. We showed a performance by um, Jason from his um practice up in Toronto and then we had old clips from you know ice theater history and it was a really wonderful full hour of um you know a streaming event and that kind of put us over the hump and we also because we're a nonprofit, then you know we got some support from the city and state they um you know also one of the dance organizations here in the city the gilmore fund they stepped up and gave every dance organization a small stipend and you know we cobbled it together we did the best we could because it was you know you didn't have a choice right we had to pivot are you still doing? Oh, we also did some rollerblading. Oh, no, we put the we put the uh, edge class on rollerblades, and we did it out in Brooklyn in you know some big expanse where there was a big concrete slab, and the New York Times actually featured it. That was really fun. So yeah, Very cool. it was great. I know I've I've seen the edge classes. Are you still posting like videos on like social media? Uh, sometimes, but okay. you know, class is live now, yeah. so we 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 don't post as much anymore. But there's lots of lots of old classes on our our uh, video channels, and you know, on YouTube and on Facebook. I mean, if you go and you look for Edge Class, I mean, all the off ice Edge classes are there too. And we had some guest performers actually uh, give Edge classes as well. So we had one with Elage Balde, we had one with Liz uh, Yoshiko Schmidt. Forgot. I mean, we had a, a bunch of different people, you know, give a guest class. So it was it was just interesting. Uh, you know, we we did the best we could, mm -hmm. you know, to survive the period where indoor performances were just shuttered yeah. no i just remember seeing the videos from the edge classes and sometimes i would pull up one when i was at the rink myself and do it you know the edge class and then i remember seeing all about the pop-ups so you guys still doing your pop-ups outside Yes, we still do. And fortunately, now we can also do um, longer concerts. Um, it's not back to full concerts because the ice rinks, uh, they, get, they got used to just having all the public sessions, right? And what we used to get a little chunk of time, now they don't really want to give that up anymore. They want the revenue of, you know, the people mm -hmm. coming on the ice. So what, what they do is they make a fast Zamboni. And then um, we delay the public just five minutes. And in between that, 
we get to do a pop-up and usually uh, two pieces and uh, but we've done them all over the place Walman Rink, Bryant Park, Rockefeller Center, out in Brooklyn, up at Riverbank in in Harlem so you know we're fortunate that we can do them a little bit everywhere. And we've also restarted our programming with the um, at-risk youth in New York City, right? We do a program for school children. That's our big outreach. And uh, we do, I don't know, about a dozen every year where we introduce children to Dancing on Ice. They get to watch a free show. And then we actually take them on the ice. And for many, it's their first time. And uh, it's really exciting to, you know, they're so inspired. And then they go on the ice and they want to try everything right away. And they're like, no, no, no. <laughs> Stop marching like a soldier. It doesn't yeah. go from zero to speedy. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Tell us a little bit more about how that got started, the, the outreach. Um, I think it was uh, Moira who wanted to, you know, do a program with the children. And I think the first one we actually did was with the Professionals Children's School, and we had an ongoing program. It was their PT but um you know getting ice time is really really difficult and um most of those programs the schools want to do after school well after school ice time is impossible to get because you know that's taken up by hockey or figure skating classes or you know it, it, it's just impossible so instead we developed this program that goes as an assembly the um, classes come with their teachers during the day. So they usually arrive by 1030, they watch a show. And then by 1230, one o'clock, they go back to class. So they they after the clinic. So it's just a, a, a two hour chunk that they're with us. And uh, they get a full hour of instruction. And uh, usually it's between 100 and 150 children on the ice. And uh, so we have a lot of teachers out there, also the performers that uh, skate with us for those programs to help teach. And we always have young uh, skaters with us. So we, you know, we invite a young competitor to come uh, like, um, I'm trying to remember, Craftchick, what's her first name? Katie. Um, she's Katie. The, yeah. So, yeah, Katie Kraftchik. So she was at one of the last performances we did up in uh, um, Harlem, and then she also helped teach. And it's really fun I mean, for them. It's an opportunity to, you know, just perform without any judges. And the kids just love it. So they're like, they treat them like rock stars. You know, their rock is in the stands and they just love what they're seeing. And also for, um, you know, the, 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 the school children, they see somebody their own age. So they don't just get to see professionals and think, oh, I can't do that. They see someone, oh, when, you know, we introduce them, we tell them what age they are, what grade they're in. And then a kid goes like, wait, I mean, you know, maybe I can do that too. Right. The one regret I have is that we don't have a pipeline to, when we see talent to bring them in. So, I mean, we encourage, usually I talk to the teacher when I see somebody, because you can tell, right? Every, every season there's two or three where I say, oh, that kid needs to skate. And um, we encourage the parents to bring him back to the rink because it's always a program for the schools that are right near that facility. The, the idea is that they are close to that facility so they can come back if they like the skating. But the problem with skating is really, really expensive. So we identify annually a couple of kids of color that could 
potentially be good skaters, but there isn't, um, you know, anything out there to help them get there. So I know Rohin is working on that with Diversify Ice. And I actually had a conversation with uh, one of the people that's working with Diversify Ice. And we're going to try and see if there is a way that we can come up with some kind of a scholarship or we can identify a local coach who would want to you know give a couple of free lessons to one of these children to see if they actually do have an opportunity i mean do they have the ability that that we think they are a talent and then find a way to you know support them because skating is not going to change if we don't find ways to bring these young people of color into the sport yeah, Gina and I are hoping to have the folks from Diversify Ice on at some point to talk about it. And also, um, like figure skating in Harlem and figure skating in Detroit now. It's kind of grown a bit. And it's fantastic to see those organizations working to bring skating to kids who might otherwise never be exposed to it. They do great work, but um, figure skating in Harlem um, breaks my heart because it's only girls. I mean, oh, I worked for Dick yeah. Button, right? And Dick Button was always saying, no boys. So to me, that's important. And um, so I, and I, I love the program, but it's, it's not a skating program per se, right? It's an empowerment program and it's fantastic. Yeah. It uses skating as a tool, but I want to find a way to bring people into the sport to really compete. Right. I mean, and I think that's why Diversify Ice is trying to do is yes. like try and develop competitors. And uh, because for ice theater, too, I mean, we've been very blessed. Right. We've we've worked with African-American skaters away from get go. Wade Corbett, Mark Stanford. I mean, Joy Thomas, who is now a Diversify Ice. She skated with us. Alyssa Stitt, who was, you know, just the most beautiful performer. And um, so we were very fortunate that way. But they're very few to find them it's hard. There's not enough of them out there. And I really want to change that. I want to give opportunities, but it's not going to happen without um, money because skating is very expensive. It is. That I think has been one of the things that has stayed constant. <laughs> skating is expensive. I think it's gotten yeah. more expensive even, you know, as the pandemic Every we say in the pandemic, everything has gotten really expensive. You go to the grocery store, things are so expensive. And I think skating has also gotten expensive. It was already expensive, it but it's gotten more expensive. Yeah. Right. So much has changed in skating, but that's I think one of the major things that stayed the same is the cost. Right. It's expensive. I think everyone I think all the skating parents would agree. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very expensive sport to get into. It's hard to find support for it, right? I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's just, uh, I know the skating club um, and different clubs, you know, do the best they can with their members to support them. And I know the U.S. figure skating supports people, but to get to the point where you get that kind of support, there's a long road and that's where there is no support right now. It's like, how do you get the beginning you know, before you know if somebody is talented or before you know if if they're going to stick with it. Because, you know, so many factors come into skating and talent alone is not enough. I mean, you have to have, you know, perseverance, uh, you know, work ethic. I mean, there's so many different things, intelligence. I mean, sometimes, you know, people learn a thing, but by the next session, they forgot it again already. Well, that, 
you can't build on that, right? So different people have different aptitudes and and you don't know that when you start with someone. So, you know, you have to give more people an opportunity and then see, you know, who can really stick with it. I mean, it's like, or, you know, things happen too, like injuries. I mean, you know, sometimes the best talent, the best career is waylaid by injuries and, you know, and then unfortunately in the past, I hope that it's different now, but there was also prejudice when you think of Roheen, who was such a great, great uh, skater who, you know, never really got the recognition while he was skating. Right. I mean, it was, uh, they were hard on him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, it was t- a tough road. So, and Syria will be the first one to tell you, you know, so <laughs> Yeah, I think we've moved forward in so many ways, but there's still work to be done. There's still a lot of work to be done, and I'm glad that there are opportunities out there now that there weren't before. I feel like we're moving in the right direction. We just all have to work a little bit harder to keep it moving. Well, Ice Theater um, tries to also um, inspire people by inviting them, right? So all the school children that we teach, they're all invited for free to come to the performances. And I hope some of them will come to the home season and, um, you know, with bring their families and see it. When we honored Donovan Carrillo um, this fall um, with the Will Sears Award for Daring Greatly, I mean, we had like about 400 new uh, Latin um, American or Latinx people attend. I made a conscious effort to, um, you know, uh, reach out to those uh, communities and they were just, you know, enthralled because they they had never seen skating live. And uh, and it was really wonderful. And Donovan was just so great. He stood there and signed everybody's autograph and took pictures with everybody. He was just a doll. And um but to me, that was really important because that was a whole new audience that we reached, right? Because we we wanted to inspire them to come. So we've invited these same groups again to come to the home season. So, and I hope lots more people will come um, this, you know, to see the shows. Uh, so, you know, hopefully they'll be inspired and, you know, get skating. Gina, do you have any additional questions? No, the only question I was going to ask is how do people get tickets to come and see the home season? Fantastic. So they'll go to icetheater.org, you know, our website. So it's just ice and then theater.org. And um, you can spell theater with T-R-E or T-E-R. It gets to the same place. And on the page, you just click on upcoming events and then you can get tickets and you can also get tickets at the door. Um, You know, you can walk up. but I hope lots and lots of people will come. Monday night is pretty popular already. So, um, you know, I'm not, we're not sold out yet, but it's getting close. So, well, we'll put all that information in our show description so that people can find out how they can get tickets. But yeah, I wish I could go. I'm not in New York City area. I'm in New York State, but not in New York City area. One day I will get to an ice theater of New York show. I, you know, I just, Fantastic. yeah. <laughs> Um, well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. I feel like I've learned a lot more about Ice Theater of New York. Uh, Gina and I will be promoting it uh, on our This Week in Skating podcast. But in addition to that, we both run other websites devoted to skating. I run IceDance.com and Gina runs Figure Skating, Figure Skaters Online. So we'll be promoting it on there as well to get the word out.
That's fantastic. All right. And I hope you ladies come to watch us li perform live yes, soon. Yes, soon. I'm going to put that on my list. <laughs> All right. Gina, can you let folks know where they can find us? You can find us at our website. It's thisweekinskating.com. On social media, Twitter, at thiswkinskating. And Facebook and Instagram, it's This Week in Skating. We love your feedback or your questions. You can reach out to us on social media or email us at thisweekinskating at gmail.com. We appreciate all the support that we have received on social media and via email. We're going to continue doing what we're doing, which is interviewing those connected with the support. Um, we also have a contest going this month. If you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, you will automatically be entered to win a This Week in Figures, a This Week in Skating mug. And so please go ahead and do that. Yeah. Deadline is May 21st. Yes. With that, we've reached the end of our episode. Thanks for listening. I'm Daphne. And I'm Gina. And you've been listening to This Week in Skating. Have a nice week. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.